Grill Down, the podcast for the Oregon Restaurant and Lodging Association. My name is Greg Askley. I'm the Director of Government Affairs, and joining me today is Ken Henson. And Ken is with Rotorio. I never can get it right, Ken. Help me out. Refitorio Consulting. Refitorio Consulting. It sounds like a great pasta dish. It's close. It's an Italian term for uh, regeneration and renewal. Well, that seems very appropriate. And thank you for joining us here today on Boiled Down. Our topic is creating a strong company culture. And before we get into the kind of the meat and the bones of that, um, I want to talk about, Ken, because you've had a long history in the restaurant industry and um, lodging properties, and you've seen firsthand the challenges that the hospitality industry is facing. A lot of that has to do with uh, turnover or just finding people uh, to to work right now. And I know that, um, you know, some of the facts and figures that you and I have talked about is that restaurant turnover is at 75%. And a, a cost for a new employee is somewhere between 2000 and 15000 depending on how much training goes into it and all the rest of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, do you have any numbers post-pandemic about what turnover looks like? You know, I've heard, I, I can't point to any direct sources, but I've heard, I've read somewhere, it's as high as 144%. And I wow. think, you know, aside from that, it's also important to note that according to Build In anyway, 75% of currently employed employees in hospitality are looking for new positions as we speak. So really almost three quarters of your workforce is already looking somewhere else to to try to go and find a job, an opportunity. Absolutely. And when you think about the cost of turnover, you know, let's say you hire a new housekeeper, they're not going to be able to be as fully productive as a seasoned housekeeper. It might take them an hour and 15 minutes to clean a room and turn that room over where someone who's really seasoned can do it in 40 minutes. So, you know, I've heard statistics of it takes up to a year, sometimes two years, depending upon the position for someone to be fully productive in a new role. And I know that we're also facing a lot of challenges as an industry with inflation, right? There's rising costs for your food, for your fuel. Uh, Rents are going up. Utilities are going up. There's still a lot of problems out there. There's debt service that has to be taken care of from staying open during the pandemic if you were, I guess, fortunate enough to do that. So with all of those other issues, why focus on company culture? Why, why would it be important to have a strong company culture? You know, one thing that I tell employers that I work with is if you have the best place to work, you won't have any problems finding employees. There's people believe, I hear it over and over again, you know, there's a new generation who just doesn't want to work. They're incentivized not to work. I don't believe that's the case. I believe people want to work. I believe work brings purpose to everyone, regardless of your age, regardless of your demographic, but it has to be the right place to work. It can't, you know, we're we're stuck in this, operators tend to be stuck in a industrial revolution model of employment, which worked fine while I was growing up, probably while you were growing up, not to date you, Greg, but um, you know, we're in an information and knowledge age now where people want to be connected with what they do. We're seeing from everything from tourism, the way tourism operates to how successful 
entities manage employees. And when your employees are engaged, they're more productive, they stick around longer, they enjoy what they do, leads to higher productivity, efficiency, and cost savings. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, 40, 50 years ago, I think work was what you had to do to earn money, right? It was mm-hmm. it was work. It was a job. Um, it wasn't necessarily satisfaction that you were getting out of it, but it was a paycheck and you put in your time and you did what you had to do and you went home at the end of the day. And uh, I think you're right. I think that has shifted, not just for maybe one generation, but for a lot of people, um, mm-hmm. especially given the pandemic, that now there's really a, a focus more on what am I getting out of what I'm doing to earn that paycheck? And there has to be more than just simply the money at the end of the day. Yeah, I agree. And I think certainly we're at a pain point right now um, in our industry with employment. But we have to stop focusing on you know what we used to call the great resignation. And every time we're in a pain point, whether it's from COVID, whether it's the recession, whether it's post 9-11, it's an, it's an opportunity to really reinvent ourselves, think about why we do the things we do, how we do the things we do, and you know, make lemonade out of lemons. Yeah. Well, so let's talk about what makes a good company culture or, or what are the hallmarks of a good work environment that someone would want to be a part of that would feel like it's more than just getting up every day and going to work and going through the motions? What are some of the things that you can share with us? I think primarily it's employers caring about the well-being, the whole human being that they're employing. And I, I haven't done very many things well in my life, but no one has ever had to work for me, right? They work alongside of me. They work with me. And I'm invested in who they are as human beings. And I generally want what's good for them as human beings. So I think when you have a system of care built into your work environment, you that's the beginning of a successful culture. And, and that's got to be different for different people, right, Ken? I mean, People learn different ways. Some people are visual learners. Some people are, they have to do it, right? Others can read and learn that way. And I imagine it's got to be the same way with, with a company's culture and the value that you feel that you're getting from your employer or from your workplace, right? For you, it might be different than me in terms of what I need or what I want to get out of that time that I'm spending in at work with, with those people. Right, it is. And I think As an organization, proprietors, managers need to understand what the core values of the entity is, what what the core values of that restaurant or that hotel, and really broadcast those as loudly as you can and attract people, hire people, promote people who live those same core values that your business has. A lot of people just don't know what their core values are. How important is it in your mind, Ken, to not only share those with your employees, but also with your customers, really to make it a kind of a holistic picture? Yeah, I I think it's vitally important. I I think, you know, we've heard a lot recently, a term has come to light about firing the guest, right? We all have that one bad apple who comes in and yells at a hostess or front desk agent. And, you know, I think they call them Karens now. Um, you know, you you can't tolerate that. And and by broadcasting your core values, by saying what you believe in, 
you'll attract the right audience. I think of a hotel uh, recently that I know here on the Oregon coast that phenomenal lodging property and they were attracting the wrong guests for years. Once we dug into who is it, who we are and how do we broadcast that, we started attracting the right guests and they're charging five to $800 a night for hotel rooms now and with zero guest complaint. Once you have the right guest you, and you have the right team, the limit is, the potential is unlimited. Yeah. So I, I know um, my own boss, Jason Brandt, is uh, very good about saying, I've got your back, right? Uh, there may be issues, but we can take care of those internally, but publicly, outwardly facing, I've got your back is something that Jason's got a, a very strong belief in. And so I guess as part of that strong company culture, how important is it for employees to feel like no matter the situation um, that the employer has set them up for success, that they've got their back when it comes to those kinds of situations? I think that's incredibly important. You know, one of the things that I ask a lot of people is, you know, if I go to any hotel or restaurant and ask them, why should I stay with you? Why should I dine with you? They understand that value proposition inside and out. And then when I ask them, why should I work with you? They're stumped. And I always leave that conversation with saying, in my opinion, there's only one way to answer that question. And that the answer to that is, when you come to work with me, not for me, when you come to work with me, you become a part of my family. And no matter what, I will do everything in my power to make sure that you feel valued, you feel appreciated, and that I have your back. We're a family. And families don't always get along, but you always know there's caring and love behind whatever you're doing, right? Absolutely. In my own family, we have a rule that we live together because we love each other. And we treat each other like we love each other, even when we don't like each other. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair point. Well, Ken, what are some examples, maybe some very concrete examples, if you can, uh, of companies that you think are are doing it right or or the, the things, the examples of actions that are being taken uh, that could be emulated by the listeners? Yeah, I think for one, um, I think one of the most powerful things you can do to help uh, solidify your culture is in my previous life, every quarter I sat down with every single employee, line level employees, managers, GMs, chefs, cooks, and had one-on-ones. They don't have to take a lot of time. And they're not for me to say anything more than ask, how are you doing? And importantly, I think asking the team, if you were in charge, what would you change about the way we operate? How can I be a better boss for you? How can I support you in what you're doing? And you'll learn a lot. You'll learn a lot about who your team members are, how they relate to you, what they really think about work. And really importantly, you have to follow up on that information. So a team member might come and say, gosh, I think we should buy our own boat and catch our own fish. Maybe a great idea, but you have to explain to them why you won't do that. So yeah. follow-up is, is really important. I think there are a lot of examples of um, operators who've done a great job, you know, just coming out of the pandemic that uh, I was remembering, we set up a hot meal kitchen for every employee. 
you know, we laid off hundreds of employees and every day they could get up to six hot meals to take back to their family. You know, they, they put in their order. We had a small team still employed that would fix those, fix the food for them and send them home to them. You know, making sure that they know that they're appreciated. One of the things that I recommend virtually everyone do is start an employee-led diversity, equity, and inclusion group. You're going to be really surprised at how out of touch you are with how many people have struggling with mental illness or how many cultural barriers we have and, and, and give that group, that employee group, a seat somewhere at the leadership table to be able to talk about those issues. You'll learn a lot about people. Yeah, I, I think that sounds like a great idea. I know oftentimes in my history with customer service uh, and with working with employees, that listening part is really critical. Um, yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've turned around a customer who came and was upset about something or a member who was upset about something and given the chance to vent and be listened to is often all they really need. Uh, just to have shared their pain with you to be able to then say, I hear what you're saying. I understand. Um, let's see what we can do to find a solution. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think the same, we tend to take the same approach we take a lot of restaurateurs take with um, upset guests. We'll, ju we'll just give them a free dessert. But if you go out and actually talk to that guest, if you talk to the employee, you're going to learn that, like, just like you said, a lot of times they just want their voice to be heard. And then they're okay. So we've talked about some of the things that make a good work environment, some of the things that you can do to strengthen the company culture, the listening, those kinds of things. How do you turn around a company culture or a work environment that really isn't working? What are, what are the first steps you need to take to get things on the right track if, if you don't feel like they are? I'm going to tell you a real quick story. I know this is the Boiled Down podcast. So <laughs> I'll shorten it for my usual 30-minute spiel. I was a chef in Seattle years ago and came into a flagship restaurant to turn around the culture, profitability, et cetera. And everybody who worked in the kitchen at that restaurant was from one family from the same town in Mexico, from Oaxaca. And I had to turn things around. I ended up letting one of them go. And I hired a white guy, not because he was white, because he was the most qualified applicant. And it caused an uproar. They went to HR and went through a long, painful process. Every one of them wished I was dead at that point. They would have had a big party had I gotten hit by a bus. And the corporate chef was the original chef there and hired them, all of them. And he and I had a meeting. He came in and he's joking around with all these guys who want me dead. He's an hour late to our scheduled meeting. He comes back and he's like, chef, how are you doing? I said, you know, not real well. So we went and he said, gosh, what's going on? <clears throat> and I said, you know, it doesn't feel real good. You're in here shucking and jiving with these guys. You know how they feel about me. And it, you're undermining my authority here. And he said, I see how you could see it that way. But tell me, how's Felipe's wife doing? And I said, I don't care about Felipe's wife. I care that Felipe does what I need him to do when he's here at work. And he said, that's a problem because I know Felipe and I know his wife has cancer and I know you don't care about it. And I know he's really struggling. And that was a huge light bulb moment for me. So I was able to turn around that culture by being empathetic, 
being humble, losing my ego, and being vulnerable with the team. And I, I met with Felipe, and I met with eventually everybody on that team and said, I've made some big mistakes, and I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I need you more than you need me, and I need to admit that. Every operator needs their employees more than those employees, especially in this day and age, need a job. You can go anywhere to get a job today, but people will stay loyal to you if you're good to them, if you're nice, if you're kind, and if you're empathetic to what they're going through. Yeah, I know there's a a, a mentor of mine who uh, is quoted, I think it's Abraham Lincoln that says, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm -hmm. um, and whether it's that transfer of knowledge or whether it's that leadership position that you're in, I think when people know that you care, genuinely care, uh, it makes a big difference in what they're willing to do for you, what they're willing to do at work, and, and, and what it means to them to actually be a part of, like you said, that family uh, that you're all in together. Yeah, I think a lot of times we take work really seriously, which we should. We should have really high standards. We should have great product. We should have a great environment. But at the end of the day, we're not saving babies. Right? It's, it's not the end of the world if, while you have to have standards and you have to live up to those standards, if someone's late for 15 minutes, that's not great. But have a conversation about it. Talk about why it's important. Ask them what got in the way. You know, maybe their dog got out or something, you know, and, and look at all of those things, all of those instances through a lens of empathy. Yeah, life happens, right? And it happens to all yeah. of us. I, I mm -hmm. can't imagine there's a single person out there that hasn't had something screw up their day somehow um, and send them sideways. And so that empathy is incredibly important. Yeah, Danny Meyer says, um, you know, we'd like to pretend that life is 70 degrees and, and sunny all year long when, when in reality, it happens like two days a year for me. And so recognizing that about ourselves and our own emotional wake that we leave um, and how that affects people around us, also recognize that that happens with everyone around us. They go through bad days and, you know, just like my family, we don't have to like each other all the time but we have to act like we love each other. For sure. All right. Well, Ken, we are going to end this podcast here, but people need to stay tuned because there is a part two coming. And if you stay tuned with us, we're going to talk about behaviors that exemplify success in the pursuit of a great culture and what owners and operators should be focused on to create a great work environment. So that's going to be part two of this special podcast boiled down from the Oregon Restaurant Lodging Association. Thanks for listening.